warm welcome to the next instalment in our Future of Auction podcast series. I'm Julia Cahill and I'm joined today by two very experienced advisors in the commercial property investment space. And we're going to be returning to the theme of retail investment and in particular the sub £5 million market because we know that's hugely important to a lot of our listeners. So I'm joined for the next 30 minutes by George Walker, partner and auctioneer at Auction House Allsop, and Graham Fawcett, co-founder of boutique investment agency Fawcett Mead, to bring the private treaty perspective. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to those listening. So we know that high street assets have long been the favourite of private investors, with institutional sellers tapping into strong demand as they divest smaller stock from their portfolios. That has continued in recent years, despite significant challenges to occupiers and landlords, including the growth of online retail and problems around business rates. But the pandemic has accelerated change and intensified structural problems on the high street. In today's uncertain market, rents are sometimes going unpaid and there's no such thing as a tenant for life. So what impact is all of this having on the sub £5 million retail investment market? George, could I bring you in first here? You've gone to great lengths to move your business online since the start of the pandemic to enable you to continue serving your clients. Is there still a market for high street retail? And how are auctions facilitating that? Well, I think it's 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 really interesting that by definition, a market has to evolve. Um, we've done over, we've done 350 million pounds of sales this year. Um, and, and that, as you said, that included going from um, a ballroom fixed date auction to online process in five days. So, you know, things have evolved. And I was talking to other people about this. I mean, the, the reality is that we've had, I don't know, five years of crystallization of, of retail in about, I think about, it felt like a month actually, <laughs> but it's been a bit longer. But, but, but the frailty of the, of the bricks and mortar retail model has been very, very exposed. Um, and uh, it has been, it's very challenging. Uh, and largely what Graham and I have to do is work, work out where the market is for these assets, because actually, you know, we're, we're agents, there is always a market. Uh, and funny enough, if you look at the results, we're not giving everything away. Buyers are selective. They're still chasing income. One of the props of our market, um, as I'm sure Graham would agree, is that, you know, you've got what, three trillion dollars of money invested in negative interest rates and if you're a, a private investor you know you're going to struggle to get any safe return so a high yielding sector like ours is going to appeal um, and quite frankly a four or five percent to a really really well let covenant long lease appeals a hackers like more than 0.1 percent of the bank so that's the sort of bedrock of it all but at the at the, at the high street you know there's no denying it that the, the town center is is with these bigger units has been very challenged. And we've seen a lot of CVAs of the month. Yeah, I'd agree, I'd agree with all of that, George. Um, and as as you know, and we've discussed, um, certain towns have been struggling for 10 years or more. Probably Woolworths in 2008 was a pivotal point. And, and some still remain um, very robust. But what is a very popular misconception is that all this happened in 2020. And there's certainly um, 
it was happening a long before long before this year um but it has very much been fast forwarded during the year um like like you we've been very active this year we've sold, sold 70 buildings we start every year aiming for 100 and we, we're very much hoping to get close so um it is having an impact on pricing but there's absolutely very much a market thanks graham um so I'd like to sort of dig in um, a, a bit further then into what's happening with with values and how they've shifted this uh -huh. year, <laughs> if we can bear that. Um, so so perhaps we should start by talking about the different different parts of the market. Um, should we start with the prime end, George? What do you think? I love that word prime. <laughs> what is a prime? Someone said to me the other day, what are the yields on prime shops done? Uh, the first question is, what is a prime shop? Um, and it used to be the corner of a, I work in market towns mostly, a corner unit led to a national covenant and they'd be paying sort of between 100 and 250 grand a year. Um, I think most investors would now say a prime shop is to a sustainable retailer paying about 35 grand in a suburb with a flat above it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's where we're getting the five and six percent. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, the old fashioned town centre prime shops, I mean, are really the, the the values changing dramatically and everyone quotes Guildford which has always been this sort of four and five percent type of town um, and you know the, the values I think if you if you tracked just one town and you chose Guildford I mean Graham you would know more about it but you've probably gone from four percent three years ago what's the value shift down to six and a half seven percent yeah it's it, well it's probably six six and a quarter six and a half percent today I mean at the, the, at the private treaty end there's actually been quite a bit of activity in the in the prime end you know in you know, towns like Oxford and Guildford, as you mentioned, and Chichester and um, Cambridge. And but but you're you're very you know absolutely right. The investors want tenants they can rely on, and banks are being extremely popular. Um, and supermarkets and and where where the, the, there's a likelihood of the rent being paid, and and that is quite a lot of retails. It's very easy to say most haven't paid, and we'll come on to that later. Um, but there's there's, def, there's definitely a market at the prime and private treaty wise. It's sort of two to five million, I would say. There's there's a lot of activity there. Um, it has shifted certainly the the yield from probably under four percent, you know, to certainly six and a quarter, six and a half at the moment. But that's assuming it's rat rented, and we'll come on to again, you know, where the yeah, exactly. where the initial yield play the, the over rented stock. But uh, I, I think I think the right product in the right town to the right tenant has still got a following and has still got investors, you know, keen to invest. Yeah, it has. And, and it, you know, what I'm overlooking, of course, is what every one of our private investors wants to get their hands on, which is a convenience store. Yeah, you know, when the rents are 50 to 150 grand a year and that the benchmark is now 5% very much so. So does the yield make it a prime asset? I don't know, but I mean, it used to. So you're putting 5% on that in the hope it's going to grow. So the, 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 the focus of people's attention has, has changed into a different sector where the rents are sustainable and people understand it, which again, we'll probably come on to later. Okay, so what about, um, I take your point, it's unclear quite what, what, what we mean by prime these days, but um, so if we think about secondary and tertiary properties, um, what do recent transactions tell us about those and the view that investors are taking on that sort of stock? I, I, I think I think they've got to be very careful, Julia, on, on that. I mean, there's, there's the secondary and tertiary products, you know, does suffer more than the prime end for the over rent. Um, and... Um, it's so important to understand the the level of rents in in these in these secondary and tertiary locations. And, and great advice for any investors is to 
as, as best they can understand the product, understand the tenants. And, and I think we've both George and I have, have discussed this before, where buyers at the moment particularly like to invest in locations where they know, which I know sounds obvious, but it has happened in the past where somebody's seen a yield of 10% or 12% and thought that seems good value. But the reality is that that's, that's going to fall. Those yields of, you know, the headline yields have probably increased somewhat this year, but it's still the same goes that the, the, the true rental value is going to obviously affect the annual return. Interesting, I was talking to a buyer this morning, his, his, his mantra has always been very Warren Buffett in terms of, you know, when others agree, sell when others are greedy and buy when others are scared. So he, he tries to sell what people want. And, and one of the lots in the last auction is a building in Windsor, which um, he, he got two and a half million or 2.6 for that. So he sold out at 3%. And he bought um, uh, an asset in Birkenhead yesterday to replace the income and more on a longer lease. He sold at 2.6 and he's bought at 850. So the yield for the same income, wow, for this 115,000 more income on a longer lease. Now, clearly, that lease, you know, the rent will probably not be sustainable in the Birkenhead asset, but he has researched the town, he knows it, it's opposite Primark. He believes. You know, the short-term needs of that investment, that capital, are being paid <laughs> hand over fist. And he's a knowledgeable buyer, so there's a difference. But investors have got to look out for that because the, the income is going to change. Yeah, so he's bought into retail. Yeah. Out of office into retail. retail. Yeah, interesting. Um, so that, that brings us really nicely on to um, estimated rental value then, doesn't it? Um, how how on earth does the market take a view on ERV at the moment and with, with so few occupiers looking for space? Well, we used to use something called Zone A ground, didn't we? Well, I was, I was going to say, George, if you ask 20 retail agents, you'd probably get 20 answers. Yeah, there's uh, Zone A's aren't really used and it's 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 a global rent figure now, absolutely, where where a, a, an agent or a landlord thinks a tenant can afford and, and, and be sustainable. But uh, um, what is clear that in time and it might be some time that, that rents will settle at a comfortable level for tenants and towns and um, and that is worth stressing that you know they've obviously until a few years ago seen 25 years of, or more of growth probably since the second world war they've seen growth but clearly that's uh, you know that that's changing and uh, they, they will come down the rents obviously they'll come down and uh, prime probably not as much as secondary and tertiary but but they will come down and and that it goes back to what i said before that it's all about understanding you know, understanding the town, understanding the tenant and, and what, what you think they can afford to pay. And that comes with a good landlord and tenant relationship and speaking to them and understanding, you know, the, the business and, and, and what the what the plans are and, and how we can work together, I suppose. It sounds simple, but there's a lot to be said for it. Yeah, you've got to be really open eyed and, and understand so much more about the building and the business. And if you listen to our buyers, they're not really seeing what financial statements businesses um, produce. They want to go and have a look at it and, and feel it. And is that, is that are they trading commodity, selling commodity that they think is sensible? Look at the big rush to coffee shops. Um, people believe in coffee shops, certainly up to now. Um, but setting the RV, is it, is it you know, in my market, 35 grand, 65 grand, 100 grand? Um, you know, in the bigger town centres, some of these some of these rents, you know, retailers just simply do not really want to be paying 350 grand for a town centre shop. It's just, just running away from it. So where is that going to settle? What's interesting, it will settle. You know, it looks like Debenhams, you know, would JD buy Debenhams? 
Interesting. They believe it's going to settle at some point. They'll find a price point for that, for those assets. Um, it won't be falling forever, that's for sure. Do you think so, tying into that, must all buyers now have an eye on change of use then when they buy retail? That's yeah, I, I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, and obviously, you know that that will that will change, and you know, going forward, the key for me though is for it not to, you know, to destroy a town centre. You know, the retail core is is very important for all towns, and as as we've learned this year, you know, human beings like other human beings. They like to meet them, they like to bump into them, they like to chat to them. You know, and a town centre since time began has been one of the great places to do that. Um, so I, I think it's important to protect the retail core and to not have, you know, Marks and Spencers next to a, a house, then a, a dentist, then, you know, a, a, a vet. And, you know, I think, you know, secondary and tertiary location, I think it's it's critical to to, to certainly change the uh, change the use in town centres. But but it, but equally, you know, I think it's important for the planners to realise where which locations would be good for other uses, maybe residential, maybe you know, some some more community uses and, and then what's important to protect the, the, the town centre retail. Um, and it, it, I suspect won't be right straight away, but I think in some of the more popular towns, the cathedral cities, they'll certainly will. And, you know, the planners will certainly make sure that uh, that they will. They, let's hope they make, they make the right decisions. I, I think that it's a great opportunity for the planners. Uh, it really is. And if you think, I think our Chancellor has done a cracking job with helping everyone through the the, the the pandemic in many ways well, critics but i think you know the relief of business rates has been interesting but you know the councils um get the councils together with the valuation office uh, and the council's uh, control of the planning well you know they can say well that street isn't not going to be change of use that's going to be retail but the rest of it we can deal with we keep as graham says keep a call i think is it stockport where the council actually bought one of the main shopping centers with a view to knocking it down because they've acknowledged there's too many shops in the town, right? Buy this lump, knock it over, make public space and flats. You make a nice town centre, you get rid of the oversupply of retail. You got back to what it was before the you know, retail boom and credit card fueled spending. So that, you know, it's one example. But I think if I got a point, Graham, you know, people want to go and socialise. They do, they do, yeah. And that means spending. Uh, and that's what the old model was about. And, and as you know, George, one of my favourite retailers is Greg's, and, and luckily you'll never be able to buy a sausage roll from the internet. That's uh, certainly a warm one. So um, I, th I, th I think there's certainly places where you know people will want to meet. You know, at the, at, it's going to be a challenge for some time, but you know already I, I feel there's a, a little glimmer of you know we we've got lots of shops to let, and and you know there's in certain parts of Greater London the phones ringing non-stop you know with no end of demand you know um and that's not everywhere as, as i've said but but there's certainly you know an appetite for people to start looking forward you know next year and, and maybe start you know multiples as well i'm sure they won't all but some will certainly be on the on the on the lookout for for some good good deals at perhaps more sensible rents yeah it's a great time to be the property director of a retailer yeah, if you can get if you can get your rents right in your existing estate you want to go and get 50 more units, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stock out there to, to work and increase your footprint. That's, well, that's really encouraging to hear that you're, you're, you're actually seeing um, 
it's good occupy demand in some areas. Um, so we, we got very used to the same covenants performing well over recent years, um, those reliable multiples, but obviously everything's changed and CVAs are on the rise. So um, would you both pick out some covenants that you think are highly sought after now um, or is it all about independence and um, you know which tenants have now fallen out of favour on the back of the can pay, won't pay movement? Um, perhaps George first on that one. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's not all about the independence. I think, um, you know, it's very, very strong. And it's great to see those businesses be created and, and, and supported and, and grow. Um, I think the, I haven't been to Totnes recently, but apparently Totnes is full of independence and it's just absolutely roaring success. I mean, in our sector, there's no question people want a, a tenant and a covenant they believe in the co-op is probably, the co-op and the convenience providers are, you know, top of the list. Um, and, you know, there are Coles and the co-ops and the Tesco's and Sainsbury's, very, very understandable, believable um, trading entities, businesses that you see making money. I think that the challenge is that a lot of, when, when, when CBAs are coming to, into play, people will remember that for a long time. Um, and, and buyers have been very, very cautious around those bigger companies. Um, so, you know, you, Boots, for example, you know, everyone thinks Boots um, was appalling in not paying rent. Well, it didn't behave very well, that's for sure. Um, but I think they've now largely paid up uh, and they've got a payment plan in place beyond from Christmas this year. You know, hanging on to a healthcare sector, you know, who's going to be distributing the vaccine? Well, Walgreen in the States are distributing um, the, the vaccine for the US government and got 9,000 outlets. So those sort of people have always liked healthcare as well. and, and if you've got a bootstrap of asset, that might be playing into your hands as we go into a year of vaccinations. But people understand the businesses. Uh, and Graham, you're a great one for understanding you know, these towns and sectors, and, and I think the advice is the same thing. Yeah, and as I said before, people like banks, you know, that there's, there's something about them. You know, they've often got long leases. They're often in lovely buildings, often on corners, you know, supermarkets, as you say. Opticians are always popular on our local high street. There's always a queue to get into spec savers. Um, yeah. Coffee shops have been mentioned. It's what, sorry? You're in Bishop Auckland. I am, yeah, still there. No, I'm not in Bishop Auckland there. <laughs> um, but uh, we have sold in Bishop Auckland, as have you, many times, you know, and there's um, the, the challenge is fashion, obviously. They, they've been closed for a large part of this year and it's very, very difficult for them, you know, because people aren't going out this Christmas particularly. There's no new outfits to buy. Um, but... As, as we said before, if they can hang on and rebase the rents ne next year, um, that it's, it feels like at some stage people are going to be keen to get out and, and start meeting people and having having a bit of a party. Whether it's that's next summer, who knows? But uh, but there's there's, def there's definitely some retailers who remain popular. Greg's I mentioned, big fan of theirs. Um, it always amazes me how you can go to a city and sometimes it can be. 12 or more branches in the same city it just shows you the appeal of got to, to to all levels and um yeah I, I, I agree with you george supermarkets convenience stores we've, we've got probably 20 or so under offer at the moment um co-ops always really really popular uh, the way they've rebranded is excellent um and and investors feel incredibly comfortable to have them in their portfolio yeah and it's added advantage with co-op you've got that you know, very thorough twist that it's owned by you know, a cooperative yeah very respectful of the environment and that sort of thing. And, and that plays into people's minds too. Um, 
Okay, some really good insight there. Thank you. And um, we are almost out of time. So to wrap up, could I ask each of you from the pipeline of work you have at the moment and conversations with vendor clients and um, will you see an uptick in activity next year, do you think? George, more stock coming, bulging auction catalogue? <laughs> Um, auction catalogue. Of course, there is George. Of course, there is. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you know the the, the ha, has our, have our investors been under lockdown more more liable to buy um, assets on the on the, the, the PC or the phone than they would have otherwise been. I don't think so. I think there's the market forces are. They've got a lot of cash. There's a hell of a lot of cash out there, and people want to spend it. Um, they would be more selective, um, but you know we're probably going to do more turnover this time last year, which is bizarre. Um, but that's I think that the, the, the bedrock is that is we're in a high yielding market and quite honestly, a lot of people don't mind taking a risk. Um, when, when, and I think we'll have a good year next year. I think I'm very positive. Yeah, and, and we feel exactly the same. You know, this year is certainly much busier than it was this time last year. Um, and, and you know, I, I can't see any reason why it won't carry on. I mean, we've had lots of success, lots of success acting jointly with you, as you know, in the auctions. Um, we've got four lots jointly in the next door SOPs auction, and it works well to have a private treaty run into a to a deadline and um, helps all parties stay focused. And, and I think there'll be there'll be more of that for sure. Um, yeah, completely agree. People will be looking for the nice towns, Kingston, Oxford, Cambridge. You know, the nice market towns. Uh, the likes of St. Neots and Weatherby up in Yorkshire. Um, and also the yield. People will be looking for plenty of yields, and, uh, but with a massive caution on the, uh, on, on the rent and where, where the rent could fall to. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's something that we can help investors with, as, as you can, George. Yeah. And I think we're not, we're not dealing with people who are just buying for fun. We're dealing with experienced, informed investors. That's what they call, isn't it? And they understand what's going on and happy to take risks, but they are cashed up and, and, uh, and they're ready to go. So. Okay, that's good, good to hear. And um, we are out of time there. So thank you to both of our guests, um, George Walker of Allsop and Graham Fawcett of Fawcett Mead. You've given us a fascinating insight into this area. And thank you for listening. For further auctions and private investor coverage, look out for the rest of this podcast series and for print coverage in our 12th of December issue. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.